Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, hello. We're back again, and we're going to continue with our study of Ephesians. My name is Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries. This is Truth For Today, and we're going through a very exciting study of the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And uh, if you've not been with us before, then you can access the other episodes of these podcasts on YouTube. Uh, I want to really express my gratitude uh, to all those who are listening to these uh, podcasts because I believe you're going to learn something that is going to really help you in this hour to walk out what God has for your life and to stand against the um, challenges that are facing all of us today. So we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 4, but before I do that, I want to just uh, do a little outline very short on Ephesians because We've already covered chapters 1, 2, 3, and we're going to finish chapter 4 today. Um, chapter 1 is God the Father. It's, all, it's talking about His divine, eternal plan for the church, His plan of the ages, choosing us before the foundation of the world. Chapter 2 is Jesus Christ, and He is the executor of the Father's plans. He's the one that carries them out. And chapter 3, the Holy Spirit is about the revelation of the plan through the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ, both both individually and corporately. So those three things I wanted to mention. And also mention this just to reiterate it, that the book of Ephesians is about the body of Christ. Uh, the theme of Colossians is Christ the head of the church, but this book particularly is about the glorious church and the body of Christ, and the different places of uh, leadership, positioning in the body of Christ, uh, the gifts that God has placed there, apostle, prophet, uh, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. And so we've kind of covered those already. I'm not going to go into those today. I may mention them. But I want to pick up um, in verse 17. This is talking about the Christian's walk. Now, this is so important. And a lot of times we don't hear a lot of teaching on the Christian walk. But, you know, this is what gives you entrance into your destiny. You say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, when you are acting on the Word of God and being obedient to the Word of God, you will fulfill the plan, the purpose, and destiny of God for your life. Without obedience, it's virtually impossible to fulfill God's plan for your life. But as you learn to walk in obedience, it's not perfection. Uh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, we've been given a perfect standing through the work of redemption. So we are accepted in the beloved. We're given a perfect standing with God, a perfect peace. But also... We need to learn to walk out our righteousness, our righteous standing with God, to where we have character and integrity and 
we're quick to obey and uh, we're not off doing our own thing, but we're really plugged in uh, to what God is doing right now and what God has for our lives. Uh, we're not just individual entities, even as Christians floating around out here trying to accomplish something for God. No, uh, God's already got the plan. Uh, he's looking for people to come in agreement with it and come alongside him and carry it out. God has a plan to reach the whole world and to, uh, you know, bring his blessing to mankind, but he has to have people to do it. Uh, he has to, he uses people to carry out his plans and purposes. So as you're yielded to the Lord, uh, the Bible says in Romans 6, to yield your members to God, as you're yielded to the Lord and as you submit to God's plan, it's, you know, not some kind of weird deal where, you know, uh, somebody's telling you what to do, though. That's not godly submission. No, this is submitting to God by the Spirit of God. Uh, it's peace, it's joy, it's happiness, it's something you want to do and not have to do. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, in this, we're going to start with this. Verse 17 so this I say and affirm together with the Lord. So obviously he's on the same page with God. He's affirming it together with the Lord. That you walk no longer just as the Gentiles or the nations also walk in the futility of their mind. You know, people that don't have the Spirit of God in them, uh, you know, they're relegated to living out of their intellect, out of their reason, out of their logic, analyzing everything, and not that those things aren't important, but you're not really going to be able to follow the Spirit of God uh, living out of your reason or logic. Uh, you're going to have to learn to be led and controlled by the Spirit of God. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8.14, all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. I think it's incredibly exciting uh, to think that every time every time we get up in the morning, we can be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, I'd rather be on God's uh, itinerary than my own any day. I'd rather be on God's schedule, His divine schedule, than on mine any day. And I, I'm not trying to make room for God. A lot of Christians are trying to make room for God, you know, Oh, I've got to do this, and I've got a job, I've got a family. And then if there's any time left over, I'll make some room for God. Well, you know, God loves you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. However, if you're giving God you know, the leftovers and not giving him priority in your life, you're not going to really progress very far in your Christian growth and maturity. And you're not going to apprehend what you were apprehended for by Jesus Christ. So we're going to go into this a little bit further, but let's see how the Gentiles live. It's perfectly described here in verse 18. The, uh, well, back in verse four, uh, 17, Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, 
being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Now, the life of God is always in the Holy Spirit. And because they don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, they don't have the life of God on the inside of them, so they're relegated to their intellect. And you can get really beat up trying to live out of your intellect, trying to make all your decisions based on reasoning and logic, and <clears throat> you're gonna make a lot of mistakes that way. But here it says, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them. What is that ignorance? The ignorance of the knowledge of God. Because of the hardness of their heart, or another translation says, the blindness of their heart. I mean, if your heart's not open to God, your mind's going to be blind. Because God's not going to be able to uh, search out your heart and give you understanding, knowledge, and revelation of who he is, what he's doing, and what his plan is for your life. Verse 19, and they having become callous have given themselves over to sensuality. The King James says lasciviousness. That's uncontrolled passion. We have a lot of that today and uh, a lot of people saying, well, that's a good thing. Well, no, it's not. Because God is holy and if you want to walk with God, you cannot live in unbridled and uncontrolled sensuality. And we're going to show you eventually here as we go through this how you can get free from the lust of the flesh and uh, enjoy God, enjoy life, and not be controlled and shackled uh, by your flesh. And they, having become callous, these are the Gentiles who do not know God, have given themselves over to sensuality. It says, greedy for the practice of every kind of impurity. For the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. You know, people that live, and I'm not talking about just, uh, you know, sexual lust. It's not talking just about that. It's not just limited to that area, but it's talking about lust, lust for money, Lust for power, lust for uh, fame, lust for recognition. All those are the lusts of the flesh. You know, I want to turn to a scripture about it because John described it really good in 1 John chapter 2, and it is verse 18. No, we're going to start up in verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, that desire for recognition, is not from the Father but it's from the world system. You know, we want to be the best. I'm the best. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the king. There's no place for that in the kingdom of God. There's only one king, and his name is Jesus. And really, he's made us priests and kings uh, as believers, but that 
doesn't mean we boast about it. We walk it out and live it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away. Have you noticed that? And also it's lust. You know, lust is something that you can never, ever fulfill. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. You know, you want to be counted in that company of those who do the will of God and not just living to satisfy the lusts and the cravings and the passions of your unholy desires. Okay, well, in Ephesians 4, we'll go back there. And they have become callous, the Gentiles, the nations that don't know Christ. They've given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. There's a lot of that going on. It's destroying people. They don't understand that the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sins will die. You know, sin is a death sentence in the realm of the spirit. And when you practice sin continually, you're killing yourself. And you're separating yourself and estranging yourself from the things of God. God is holy, pure, undefiled, untainted by any greed or lust. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none holy like Him. And yet, through the new birth, through his redemption, we can become the righteousness of God in Christ and we can become set apart for God and he makes us holy by the blood of Jesus. I'm, t- I'm telling you, today I know and I can say this, that I'm holy before God. Does that mean I'm perfect? Far from it. Does that mean I don't miss it at times? Oh, I do. But you know what? I have the Holy One of God on the inside of me. And when I confess my sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, unholiness, all impurity. I can live in freedom and purity and love and kindness. And I can be unselfish. You know, people that are caught up in the lust of the flesh, they are so selfish. And God never created any of us to be selfish. People that are selfish, they can't enjoy anything. They're always trying to satisfy their own selfishness. But when you get free from selfishness and you have the person of Christ living on the inside of you, the person of grace, love and compassion. You start seeing people through his eyes and you start seeing 
how precious all people are to God, how highly God regards everyone, and how his attitude toward everyone is one of a high regard and respect because they're his creation. We're never to look down on other people, especially as Christians, because by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works. It's not a result of what we've done. It's a result of his work that he accomplished for us on Calvary's cross. We should never boast except in the Lord and in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which we have been crucified to the world and the world to us. In other words, we're not thinking the way the world thinks. We're not living the way the world lives. We're not conducting ourselves, our practices, according to the morals of the world or values of the world. Okay, verse 20, but you did not learn Christ in this way. Isn't this so exciting that we can learn Christ? You know, I love that little phrase, you did not learn Christ. Or the King James says, you have, you have not been taught by Christ to live this way. Do you know, as a believer, we have the supreme honor and privilege of being taught by Christ, by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. He's in us to teach us. You know, I'm not talking to you as someone that doesn't know the terrible bondage of sin. I did not come to Christ until I was 24 years old. And I lived a, you know, I thought I was living a fun life, but after a while I realized my fun life was destroying me. And I was in bondage to certain things. And I needed freedom, inward freedom. You know, we talk a lot about outward freedom. You know, we talk a lot about national patriotism and outward freedom freedom to choose and uh, believe what you believe, want, want to believe and so forth. That's all great. But until you are inwardly free, you're not really free. If you have torment, anxiety, worry, fear, anger, frustration on a daily basis, you are not free. But when you come to Christ and he places his Holy Spirit within you, you'll know what true peace really is. And you'll lose those worldly desires. And you'll be free for the first time in your life. You won't be uh, controlled by sin or, uh, you know, a demonic bondage or addiction You'll be free to walk with God and free to love people, even people that you once hated. 
even people that trespassed against you or hurt you very deeply. You know that you can have a new life in Christ and you can love everybody, even the ones that, you know, treated you unjustly, wounded you, hurt you very deeply. You can end up loving those people just as if it never happened. Oh, you say, Pastor, how can that be? Oh, it can be. Because Jesus saves to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he ever lives to make intercession for them. You know, I could tell you many stories. I've been through many, many relationships. I've had the honor and privilege of knowing actually thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, some have been wonderful people. Some have been not so wonderful. But you know what? I don't have a single problem with any of them today. I love every one of them. I pray for them. And I wish them the very best, as I know that they wish me. You know, he delivered us from the domain of darkness, the domain of Satan, where everybody hates everybody else. That's the domain that goes on in politics. Everybody hates everybody else. You know, they think they can gain the advantage by hating their opponent and digging up as much dirt as they can about their opponent. How sad. Because they have dirt in their lives too. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what do we do? We come to Jesus We come to Christ. We receive forgiveness and cleansing of our sins. And it says we're transferred from that old kingdom of darkness, the hate, and the, I don't know. I mean, it gets bad. You know that. All you have to do is listen to TV every day, you know. Oh, this one's slamming that one. This one's slamming the other one. And, you know, back and forth, slamming, slamming. You know, that's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to love our enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use us. You know, we're we're supposed to be like God in this sense. We're supposed to express his character, his love, and his compassion to everyone. And you know, God doesn't hate people. Well, you say, well, you know, God must hate certain people. You know, they've done such horrible things. Well, God hates their sin, but he doesn't hate them. There's a a huge difference. You know, there's a story of a wicked king in the Old Testament, Manasseh. He was very, very wicked, extremely so. But toward the latter end of his life, he repented of all of his wicked deeds. And you know what? The Lord forgave him. And the Lord accepted him. How about the Apostle Paul? He murdered, murdered Christians. But he repented. God forgave him. And Paul said in his writings in the book of Acts, he was talking to uh, uh, one of the kings. And I think it was uh, Agrippa, but could have been Festus or Felix, whatever. But He said, 
I have a perfectly clear conscience up until this day. How could he say that? <laughs> he was there when they stoned Stephen. He drugged people out of churches or synagogues and put them in prison for believing and confessing Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah. Oh, there's a lot of other ones. In fact, the Bible is full of them. Prostitutes, tax, uh, corrupt tax people. You know, we have a lot of corrupt politicians. But you know what? If they'll repent, they'll receive the same forgiveness you and I did. The same blood that cleansed us will cleanse them. The blood of Jesus is not limited to just a few people. The blood of Jesus covers the whole human race. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. It covers the whole human race. The Bible says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'm just exhorting you, don't live like the world in the lusts of your flesh, you know, the lusts of your mind and the torment that it produces in your thought life and emotions. Get free. Live your life in Jesus Christ and be free from the power of sin over your life. But you did not learn Christ in this way, verse 20. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. You know, the one thing I really love about the Bible, it's so simple. People search their whole lives for truth. You know, they go to India, and they meet a, a Hindu guru, or they go meet a Buddhist in Malaysia or China, or, you know, they, they're constantly trying to look for truth, but you know what? Jesus is the only truth there is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No Buddha, no Confucius, no Hare Krishna, no Hinduism is ever going to lead you to God. There's only one path, one way, and his name is Jesus. He said, I'm the way. Because no one else died for your sins. You know, Muhammad, and I don't have anything against Muslims, but Muhammad did not die for your sins. And when Muhammad died, he did not come to life again. Neither did Buddha or Confucius or any one of these other religious leaders. But Jesus died in your place as your substitute with your sin. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his stripes, the stripes on his back, you were healed. And then he rose from the dead and over 500 people, I witnessed him alive 
after his crucifixion. Even in a court of law, an eyewitness is still considered valid evidence. If you'll just take a moment to think about eternity, to think about the afterlife, after you pass from this life. You have an opportunity. Jesus said, he who believes in me will never die. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believeth in me shall never die. I'm going with that guy. <laughs> I'm going with him. He's got the promise of eternal life. Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, on and on the list goes. None of them ever promised their followers eternal life. We're going to pick up right here next time, but I want you to, if you have a prompting on the inside of you to know Jesus Christ, to receive forgiveness of your sins, to know freedom in your life, in your mind, your emotions, your will. Say this prayer, repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and revealing God to us and revealing truth to us and bringing us life everlasting. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I repent of all my sins today. I turn away from them, and I turn to your grace to help me overcome them. And I receive you into my life right now, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for coming into my heart, into my life. I pledge my allegiance to you today, Lord, and I thank you and praise you for all that you've accomplished for me, for saving me, delivering me, and now helping me to walk with you through this life. In Jesus' name I pray. That's all the time we have for today. This is Truth For Today with uh, Joseph Franham Ministries, and uh, you have a great day. We'll see you next time. 